Welcome to the podcast for First Presbyterian Church of Arlington Heights. These are the audio versions of the sermons preached each Sunday. I hope you enjoy. Our second scripture reading today comes from John verse one, um, chapter 1, verses 1 through 5, and can be found on page 862 of the New Testament section of your pew Bible. Let us listen for the word of God. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things came into being through him, and without him not one thing came into being. What has come into being in him was life, and the life was the light of all people. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not overcome it. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. This Christmas, I could not wait for Christmas to arrive because it meant the arrival of my children. And so it felt like a Christmas as a child, in a sense, where you keep waiting for something and you keep waiting. And the longer you wait, the slower that clock gets. And it just seems like time almost stands still. And that's kind of what Advent is about. But we mix up what Advent means. Literally, Advent means coming. But what we end up doing is waiting. We end up waiting for family to arrive. We're waiting for holiday celebrations. We're waiting to open up presents. And we're waiting for the light to come into the world. For me, in this Advent season, I waited and waited and waited for those two precious boys to run off that airplane and to greet me with big hugs, for us to bake cookies together, for us to play games, and for us to watch Christmas movies. And boy, did we watch all the Christmas movies. We watched Miracle on 34th Street. We watched The Polar Express. We watched um, Elf, as someone reminded me earlier. And we watched Home Alone. Christmas vacation, which my move to Chicago has definitely shown me a new appreciation for some movies because both of those were set in the suburbs of Chicago. I never realized that before now. But then we got to my favorite movie of all, The Grinch That Stole Christmas. Now, I'm not sure if you've noticed, I really like children's books. And that came about as my father read books to me as a child every night. But the true appreciation for children's books came in seminary when two of my professors challenged our class to write lesson plans for adults using children's books. Now that's not as easy as it sounds, but it brought about a new appreciation for that type of literature and the biblical and theological knowledge it has. And the other night, as some of our youngest liturgists were in the bride's room pretending that the wardrobe in there was actually the wardrobe for Narnia, it brought back those memories of how a perspective can be changed and opened up and be new for you. But Dr. Seuss, really? How can Dr. Seuss affect our faith in our life? He wrote silly, rhyming children's books, not theologically sound doctrine. Or did he? 
According to Dr. Short, who's the author of the parables of Dr. Seuss, Dr. Seuss's stories are simply are simple and complex at the same time. They're simplistic because they amuse children, but they enable adults to appreciate them too. They're similar to the parables that Jesus taught and told because of their simplicity that is so deceptive. These charming childlike tales have rich underlying meanings that can be life-changing for all of us. They sneak up on us in the most unexpected places, and they speak to us on a level that we never thought was imaginable because they tap into our imagination. They give us back a sense of innocence that we had long thought that we lost. You know, the innocence that Alex was talking about on Christmas Eve in his sermon. Dr. Seuss may not have intended for his tales to be modern-day parables, but they are theological Trojan horses, or they're sugar-coated medicine, delivering a new perspective on life and faith, giving us a place for life and faith to intersect in the truth. Among Dr. Seuss's stories, The Grinch That Stole Christmas is one of the most popular ones out there. Now, for me, it's a tie with Horton Hears It Who, but that's another book and another sermon for another day. But you can see the popularity of The Grinch is timeless and that it speaks to all generations. Even this year on social media, there was a quiz about what Christmas movie character are you? Now, I don't normally take quizzes like that, but maybe some of you took that quiz this year. I ended up taking it because my interest was piqued. And guess what? I'm a Grinch. (laughs) I'm not Charlie Brown. I'm not Clark Griswold. I'm not Ralphie from The Christmas Story. I was 100% Grinch. But then I began thinking, is that really a bad thing? Do we really know who the Grinch was? And then another question popped in my head. Who are these who's? As we read the story of the Grinch, we see the human side of the Grinch. You know, the side of us that has its faults and flaws. The side of us that only want to see things in a certain way because we want to. The side of us that wants things the way we want them. The side of us that doesn't want things to change. The side of us that secretly wants to just fit in and to be accepted for who we are. But we're never going to tell anyone that because we're afraid that we might be rejected. Yes, in that sense, I am a Grinch. And I can be guilty of looking out on the world and other Christians and judging them, sometimes even unfairly, because it's not something that I'm used to or not something I would do a certain way. And I don't think that it's an accident that the Grinch that we know and have come to love is green. He's green with envy because he wants to be one of those who's down in Whoville. So who are these who's that he wants to be part of? Well, that answer is quite simple as well. They're you and they're me. They're the ones who know. 
They know Christianity isn't a secret club. They know about God's grace. They know about God's love. And they know what it means to be a community of believers who come together to celebrate. They know what it means to be the body of Christ. They know what it means to be the family of God because they're the children of God. There are several significant parts to the story that tells us this. First, you have the Grinch pondering what it is to come on Christmas. And he focuses on the toys and the noise. But what he hates most is when all the Who's down in Whoville, the tall and the small, they gather together close with bells ringing, standing hand in hand singing. He hates that signal for them to come together, for them to rejoice together, for them worshiping together, because he's not there. He's not part of them. Another significant scene is when the Grinch is stuffing the Christmas tree up the chimney, and he's caught by little Cindy Lou Who, who's no more than two. But you know that old Grinch was so smart and so slick that he thought up a lie and he thought it up quick. While my sweet little tot, there's a light on this tree that won't light on one side. So I'm taking it home to my workshop. I'll fix it up there and I'll bring it back here. But is the Grinch really thinking about the light that needs fixing? Or is he thinking about his own life that needs to be fixed? Maybe it's us that needs to be fixed. Maybe we're the ones who need to witness Christ's death and resurrection every year in order for us to truly understand the significance of the light coming into the world. Which brings me to two of the most important scenes in the book. The first is when the Grinch is waiting for the Who's to awake and find that Christmas has not arrived. And the other is when it actually does arrive despite everything that he has done. But isn't that the case for all of us? That the church continues to be the church whether we're here or not? Because it's not centered on us. The church is centered on Christ. The church keeps being the church no matter if we get our way or we don't. The church is still the church because of the people who are sitting here, not the ones who we think should or shouldn't be here. The church is the church because it's centered on Christ. So let us listen to a few of the words that Dr. Seuss has to share with us in this last part of the book. What's a noise, grinned the Grinch, that I simply must hear? So he paused, and the Grinch put his hand to his ear, and he did hear a sound rising over the snow. It started in low, then it started to grow. But the sound wasn't sad. Why, the sound sounded merry. It couldn't be so. But it was merry. Very. He stared down at Whoville. The Grinch eyes popped out. Then he shook. What he saw was shocking and surprise. Every who down in Whoville, the tall and the small, was singing without any presence at all. 
He hadn't stopped Christmas from coming. It came. Somehow or other, it came just the same. And the Grinch with his Grinch feet, ice cold in the snow, stood puzzling and puzzling. How could it be so? It came without ribbons. It came without tags. It came without packages, boxes, or bags. And he puzzled for three hours till his puzzler was sore. Then the Grinch thought of something that he hadn't before. Maybe Christmas, he thought, doesn't come from a store. Maybe Christmas perhaps means a little bit more. And what happened then? Well, in Whoville, they say that the Grinch's small heart grew three sizes that day. And I want to point out one thing to you. Did you notice the references to the Trinity there? Dr. Seuss is really good about slipping those things in there. So yes, Christmas came anyway, just like Christ came anyway into the world that had not expected him. A world that did not expect for the Savior to come into the world as a baby. And if you didn't notice at the end of the animated version of the Grinch, when the Who's are gathered celebrating, they're not gathered around a Christmas tree. They're gathered around a light. The true meaning of Christmas. For the light had come anyway. It had come into the world unexpected and bright. And they gathered and worshipped the true meaning of Christmas. The light coming into the world and the darkness not overcoming it. There the Grinch's heart grew three sizes that day. And he too joined in on the celebration. He was welcomed at the table for the feast. He too was welcome to share in the community of Christ. We are also all welcome into the community together to witness the light, to share the light with others, and to join into the feast together as the family of God. So I'm glad that I am both a Grinch and a Who, for I know that I'm a beloved child of God. But I never want to stop being a Grinch and stop allowing my heart to grow and to change. I want the Holy Spirit to continue to work within me, to continue to form and shape who I am. So I am a Grinch and a Who. So who are you? Let us pray. Gracious God, thank you for being with us during this Christmas season so that we can celebrate together as the family of God. Help us to continue to reflect the light that you have brought into this world onto others so that they may know your love and grace and may know that they are also children of God. Amen. Thanks for listening. And if you want to learn more about First Presbyterian Church of Arlington Heights, please visit www.fpcah.org for more information on service times, directions, and to learn more about the First Pres family of faith.